Greetings, Grapple fans. Welcome to the third chapter within our self-contained trilogy of our year-long journey on our Let Me Tell You Something series adventure as myself, Lorcan Mullen, and my co-host... Simon Cross. ...have been watching every match that Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer has rated five stars or higher. And it's another or higher situation for us now as whilst one man makes his... Fourth appearance in a plus five star match. We have the fifth wrestler to take part in one of these matches that Dave Meltzer felt a broken wrestling quality ratings as we know them. Simon, what match are we talking about right now? We are talking about the final of the 27th G1 Climax between Tetsuya Naito and Kenny Omega. The rematch to last year's B-Block final, one of my favourite ma- the match that at that time I said was my favourite match of 2016. I might have revised that subsequent to this series that we've done but that was definitely my feeling in the year itself. So we've previously had Simon... Two six-star matches. Three six-star matches, sorry. Because yesterday's Kenny Omega-Kazuchika Okada match got the six-star rating from Dave Meltzer once again. We'd also had Dominion's six-and-a-quarter stars. But if you average them all out now, we're going to get back to six stars because this match got a mere five-and-three-quarter star rating. Ah, shit. Now, in that moment, I thought, why don't I just gouge my eyes out with a spork? Then watch this. This tripe. This, it might as well have been written by the Aaron Seltzer and the other guy behind Date Movie, Epic Movie, and all those other movies that aren't really movies. Um, That's the worst film I've ever seen, by the way. Date Movie. And that's actually the best of that series of films, apparently. Because I checked out at that point. Clearly, you never went to the cinema and paid money to watch Meet the Spartans. No. Someone at, someone in this podcast did. <laughs> Let's just leave it My at that. God, man, you've been warned. Well, I guess they, they figure people are already on to them, so they got rid of the, they dropped the movie part yep. of the title. But anyway, let's talk about the wrestling opposite of a date movie or, or, or what have you. Because whilst that found new depths of badness in Meltzer's eyes, this exceeded literally all but... Essentially, Dave Meltzer at this moment is saying this is the fifth best match of all time. <sighs> High praise. Mm-hmm. B- big shoes here. Big Four shoes. Four of those matches having been wrestled that year. <laughs> <laughs> so that means the fifth best wrestling match of all time is the fourth best wrestling match of 2017 at that point. I'm telling you, smorgasbord. What's a smorgasbord of options? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Simon, were your expectations high going into the match, and were they met? Uh, they were high. Uh, whether or not they were met remains to be seen. 
What I will say about this match is it's along the lines of most recently a match that Tetsuya Naito had with Kota Ibushi where you almost don't want to praise this match too heavily because some of the things that happened during it. You know, when we were looking back at these All Japan matches and as they went on, the head drop started to intensify. We're sort of coming back to that with this match. And there are a couple of moments that look like they were screw-ups in the match. Like there were mistakes made and they were very dangerous mistakes that through good fortune didn't leave someone in a terrible state. You know, you could have, we could have very ha- easily had another Katsuyori Shibata situation. Yeah, we're talking about the... Uh, we're going to jump straight into it. We've got to like, address the elephant in the room then, haven't we? The the table pile driver. The table pile driver, the accidental DV- DDT onto the ring posts. I think the DDT onto the ring post was intentional, wasn't no, it? No, no, that was an obvious accident. They were looking to do like a... It was a leverage thing on the ropes... And you can tell that Omega slips. He has a Naito in his under his arm, and Naito falls forward, and his head hits the post. And the reason you can really tell it's a screw up is you can see Kenny Omega's concern and essentially communicating with Naito to see if they can continue on. Yeah. So ah, I didn't pick up on that at the time. I, I did. You could tell. There's a moment in o- Omega's eyes where you're like, "Can we continue? Yeah. Are you?" Well- concussed to all buggery you know yeah. have i just killed you mm. um a question he asked well a question naito has to probably asked omega earlier on in the night when those tables are too narrow if you're gonna do stuff like that do it on something wider yeah like it was very scary and also i mean that was dangerous for naito as well you know those moments when you when you don't know that there's an extra step yeah, and you, your weight's gone into a different way and you just start falling forward and it's a really scary moment. When it happens to you in a dream, you wake up instantaneously. It's how close it what his uh, Omega's head landed to the um, the foot of the barrier as well. That That's really what made me uncomfortable. But you know what I mean? Like, obviously, thing. Naito then had to adjust to not kill Kenny, the bastard. Hey! And... You know, that could have really badly hurt his spine, his, his yeah. pop, you know, he could have landed right on his ass from a high angle, which he wasn't anticipating on concrete, or you don't know what kind of loose wiring or cables are under there. Yeah, but in those moments, you've just got to protect your, protect your opponent, haven't you? Mm. There's nothing else. You've got to eat the shit sandwich, because the, the, the other guy could end up eating a far worse one. Yeah. Um. So, what is... Uh, what is notable in this match, I thought, was that this was very much... This felt like a match about Naito more than it felt about Omega. That Omega yeah. was the supporting player in Naito. Like I said, in the previous Naito-Tanahashi match, it's about him you know, knocking off all of these obstacles that he's had before him to get his redemption. He had to win the IWGP Intercontinental title and you know, basically destroy it. He had to beat Tanahashi convincingly, and he did it twice. He had to reach the G1 Climax. He had to win the G1 Climax again. And he had to beat Kenny Omega, who denied him the G1 Climax the previous year as well, and whom he does not yet hold a victory over. And Omega goes in with full of confidence at this point, because he's beaten Okada. He's beat. He's now facing the guy that he beat last year. He's the seven stars of wrestling at this point. He's the hottest star in wrestling, essentially. He's got his mates at ringside as yeah. well. 
he knows he knows how to beat Naito. Yeah. And as he points his gun at him, and Naito does his nonchalant, yeah, okay. He well, leans into it. Yeah, I like yeah, that as yeah. well. Oh, yeah, what are you going to do? Mm. And like I said, like, again, it's whilst last time it was more explicitly heel versus heel, now there's more of a, especially in Naito, the underdog babyface trying to fight back as he's the goes he's, on. He's the anti-hero. Yeah, nice. but there's less Very... of that. Like, he doesn't spit as much as he does in other matches. You know what I mean? I just love the fact that when we talk about Naito, we could easily be talking about a camel. Yeah, yeah. Come on now. He only spat three times in this match. Yeah. And, and to be fair, I think one of the reasons he maybe doesn't spit that much is because the first one he does goes flying up in the air. No yeah. accuracy in that shot. But that's the tranquilo part of spitting. You're not even like, oh, I'm just going to spit. I'm not going to aim. It's tranquilo. That's the great thing about tranquilo. Anything that you sort of just doesn't look that good. Ah, well, I was tranquilo. Well, what do you think about him doing the tranquilo pose and then doing the tope straight after? <laughs> like he's so Omega doesn't like. <laughs> he's like so in his head. Yeah. <laughs> I, I like that. I just the acceleration as well as like from just yep yeah, to I'm gonna fucking launch myself at you <laughs> in like three seconds. It is head first. <laughs> Oh, it's, uh, the enigma nature of Naito is, I think, what's so appealing mm. from a fan perspective because he—he's quite think, hard to get. Yeah, but people are buying into it though. Obviously, people are are, are drawn to him. Well, like, like I said, he was speaking to a, a, an a, an overwhelming um, number of people in Japan and how they feel about the yeah. promises that were denied them and everything. Yeah, and exactly. He's, and he's and he's badass, te- petulant teenager. Like I yeah. said, that's his character. And you know, I don't know if you know this side, but there are quite a lot of petulant teenagers out there, especially in um, certain circles, mm. such as ours. Yeah. Um, why? Oh. Why? Why should I clean my room? <laughs> You're so the, um... official, mom. <laughs> you can't Not just... real like me. <laughs> can't just vacuum away my essence, man. Oh. <laughs> but yeah, you, as you, I you said, can, it, you can, I you can, what to be fair, did. you can throw away that sandwich. It's been several days since it's been. Yeah. <laughs> um, Naito really goes for the neck. Yeah, it's a lot. Yes, he goes for the, the. He hits the neck breaker three times in in yeah. uh, the course of the match in. In big situations, he hits it on the apron, and then he brings him down to the cap to the floor on the outside. And then later on in the match, when uh, Omega goes for his "You cannot escape," just like how last year when he did it to Naito, he had to stop because his knee was hurt. This time, it hurt his neck when he did the rolling uh, fireman's carry. And like last time, Naito came. And then, whereas last year he'd done a drop kick to his knee whilst he's in the buckle. This time he adjusts and turns it into a second rope neck breaker. The Stardust Genius. That's the whole thing about Naito. Like, he's known to be, just have this amazing wrestling brain. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you can tell he's got, like, a a ring generalship. He can craft his way around. And did you notice Kevin Kelly's sign language to Rocky Romero at that point? No, I didn't. This was, I saw this through Botchamania, and I, rem- I, th- I wondered if I'd remembered it rightly. And then, I, so I actually rewound whilst I was watching it. If you see, after he hits that neck breaker, Rocky Romero says something, and then Ke- Kevin Kelly basically signs to Re- Omera. 
He did it three times, and then he points to the different parts of the ring. And then after that, Rocky Romero says, like, he's hit it three times now on the apron to the outside and off the second rope. <laughs> like, that's Kevin... Kevin Kelly is a fantastic announcer. It's just... And he shares the he shares the wealth. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's kind of... It makes sense that the wrestler should be the one that notices that and points yeah. out. Well, yeah, exactly. It's like getting a pundit in in football, isn't it? Mm. You don't bring him in to like talk about haircuts unless you're Graham Simmons. I don't know why you bring Robbie Savage or Michael Owen in, but there you <laughs> go. I thought it was a girl. Anyway, that's the Matt Stryker of football pundits there. <laughs> For that game, I was world class. <laughs> Do you know which one I'm referencing there? <laughs> Robbie Savage. Yeah, no, but like that episode with Robbie Savage. No. Oh, it's amazing. They're talking about like is who's a world class player, like who are world class players. What does it take to be a world class player? He says, "Well, it's about who's. How do you define world class? Because you know, I was, I was following. I don't know. I think he was saying someone like Michael Ballack or someone like that. And he says, and for that match, I marked him out of the game. So <laughs> for that match, I was world class. <laughs> and Ian Wright said, "You mean you followed him? Yeah. <laughs> Ian Wright." Good to take put someone down a peg or two. Oh, I love it. Or laugh at Gary Lineker in his pants. <laughs> it's like a naughty schoolboy, Ian. It's beautiful. Uh, anyway, um, I, I, it, so yeah, this the, this is another match that references so much stuff, and and like I say, um, it's about Naito kind of having to hang on at various points. Yeah. Where I was going with uh, the fact that Naito was targeting the neck, uh, it does harbour back to um, previous matches involving Omega, i.e. the one we did last, uh, spoke about most recently before this, uh, where he's targeting the neck, part obviously because the neck's been injured, but also because his finisher is neck heavy. Mm. Um and he does it again in one of their previous matches. I can't remember which one. There's more neck targeting in, whether it's Dominion or Wrestle Kingdom. But he's softening up a body part. So when he hits the killer blow, mm. it's a killer blow. And that's very much Naito's strategy yeah. in this match. I think there's a sense in this whole match that Omega's like at his peak and he's just utterly confident. Like he's just beaten Okada. He knows what to do. He, he's He's got the most points, I think, going into this round or well yeah. i think he's probably got the same number of points as as naito uh, but the like the losses he took were utter one was an utter fluke against juice robinson and yeah. he's he's the iwgp united states champion going into this thing he won a tournament after dominion to become the first u.s champ he's seen as the figurehead and i guess he's seen as the he, in his eyes he's the heir apparent to okada's championship because he's beaten okada and he's been okada's toughest rival uh, whereas Naito is the scrappy one working from underneath, and so like he's fighting Omega at Omega's best, basically. Yeah. He's not he's not catching Omega on a bad day, you know. But on the flip side of that, Naito's in his groove. We saw that. Obviously, he's uh, righted the wrong when he had his A block f- effective final. When he when he won the Tanahashi series, basically, mm. and he he just feels there's a comfortability. But he has, even when he, he even has when he's lost recently, like you know he lost Dominion, 
Yeah. Whereas Omega would come out with the 60-minute draw and everything. True. And, and uh, Naito would then be knocked out of the first round of the, the, the United States title tournament. So Omega but, had the better momentum going into this match. But Naito obviously has garnered momentum from slaying the, the, the Tanahashi demon the night yes, before. Yes, Omega's literally beaten the ace, whereas Naito beat the former ace. Yeah. Yeah, but what I'm saying is obviously like Naito, as well as Omega, has reason to feel momentum. But you agree with me as well, don't you? Like so much of this is like, like Okada just hit Omega just hits so much stuff too. He hits the drop missile drop kick. Uh, He gets like an there's an awesome exchange which ends with him ducking an Enziguri and using that momentum to immediately snatch Naito up with a German suplex. He hits his show to to the uh, neck to the knee. Um, he he does a yeah he's just like he, then then he brings in the V triggers from uh, after hitting the Snapdragon suplex. Mm. Oh, no, I, I do I do agree with that, but also when it's about Naito having to reverse something to get back into it, like he reverses yeah. a power bomb into a DDT. Um, but I think that's where his groove comes from. He his like wrestling brain is just firing on all cylinders. He just seems in his. They're both at their peak. Zone, yeah, that's it. That's what I'm saying. Like He's in his groove as much as... But o- I think the sense is that maybe Omega's peak is better than Naito's peak because Naito's not been able to beat Okada, whereas Omega has. And Omega yeah. pushed Okada harder than Naito ever did. And this is a stronger Omega than when they last fought in the G1, obviously, because of that it's- extra 15 pounds of muscle. And Omega won that match. Yeah. Yeah, that is true. But So the story of this is that it seems like Omega might have Naito's number. Mm. But they both seem to be on their like it's both seems to be their day. If you mean well, they're, they're, they're both playing at maybe, top. Maybe, but form. I think it is that Oka- Omega is the aggressor in this match, and Okada's. It's all about Okada reversing stuff, really. Uh, mm. Like, like I said, he reverses um, a, a power bomb into a DDT. Um, he catches Oka- Omega's boot and turns it into a swinging reverse DDT, and then the biggest one of all. After he goes for a Destino and, and um, Okada blocks it by doing his... Um, they call it reverse crunchy? That sort of packaged tombstone that we'd seen in other matches. And so then we get to the scary spot where Omega climbs to the top rope. Naito meets him there, setting him up for a superplex. Then we get that scary... Um, Naito's head seeming to possibly hit the ring post. Oh yeah, I, I, I genuinely thought that was like one of those. I mean, I'll I'll I will really look at that bit now to try and f- catch the concern lock in his face. I actually I really did think that was intentional. It's a great way of introducing suspense. I think even they knew that was too difficult a spot to do safely. Yeah, to be confident to do it. I can understand. It's literally that. the top of. The metal, because like whilst the you know, it's not like they don't do cool stuff in the corners. Like when when Omega's targeting Naito's back uh, in the early parts of the match, he does some of the best and most vicious Irish whips into the corner you've ever seen. Oh, God. and that's so as much what... Naito taking. You know, yeah. The only person I think who's done a better corner bump off of that was when Bret Hart would always take those the front ones, front first runs into the buckle, which he. Um... Also, like regret, he comes to regret now, but, doesn't like, he? Not only does Naito then survive that accidental DDT on the ring post, him and Kenny Omega 
yeah. do one of the most incredible spots I've ever seen. When you think of the requirements of balance and power and positioning and body control. Yeah. Because they do the top rope powerbomb. From both standing on the top... like It's hard to convey just how difficult that is. Like Naito has to do the full rotation up, and then they have to, and then they do it like it's like it's in it's another one of those sort of mid air reversals where he turns mm. it into a rana. So it's not like the rana's in there before they leave their feet. When they leave their feet, that's when Naito starts turning it into the rana, and then it, like so Omega does a full rotation as well, and then just goes across to the other again. Those amazing Omega bumps that cover the entire. Ring. He sort of lands, then like lands again, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah. It's sort of weird in a match where we've highlighted like two real like wince-inducing unintentional moments that we do have to. You're right. Highlight just how comfortable both Omega and Naito are in the ring, and therefore like how smooth the overwhelming majority of their stuff is. Like how much it just clicks and gels, and how. Omega with his pronoun—it's—it's the—it's the, t- it's the bo- different sides of the coin though, because obviously Omega overpronounces his movements. He like you know adds that sort of exaggerates. Jag- I suppose would be a better way of putting it. it you can't overpronounce someone's. First of all, uh, yeah, fine. <laughs> uh, how, oh, how he overexaggerates his movements to like you know look more like draw attention to what he's doing, whereas Naito, by not exaggerating. Mm. Or by exaggerating that he's not exaggerating, if you want to go down that spiral. Well, it's funny, like I said, the, the, the moments when Naito will let the old Naito come out, and you see it in this match, when he does a body slam and then goes for his old finisher, which is the Stardust Press. Yeah. And I think this is very significant that he misses it. So it's like the old Naito couldn't get this done. Yeah. And, like, it, I... and like how in the previous year, Omega goes through like every Bullet Club finisher until he hits his own one. Yeah. I think it's one of those moments as well where it's like you can just go, right, there's a reason I've changed. Mm. Let's let's just get back into that groove. Yeah. But it's that I get again, it's that idea of pulling out all the stops and then they'll do stuff that they save for special occasions. Like after o- Naito hit that powerbomb reversal Rana, he then sets o- cart Omega up in the corner and then goes for his the po- the poison hurricane rana the poison frankenstein reverse rana yeah. which like i said if you do it in any situation that's the situation i prefer you doing it although kenny being kenny make sure to come as close as you can to take a crazy stupid bump off of that then kenny hits his j driller from last night then he does those knees into the into the kneeling naito and again just the sound that those make and what I love, again, is that sense of he's maybe got Naito's number at this point that it's just the inevitable because Naito does catch his knee on the third attempt, but then Omega's able to fight out, hit another knee, and then hit the Doctor Bomb and then V-trigger into the ropes, which is how that set up. Uh, that's how he set up Okada the previous night. He hit the V-trigger going into the ropes and then the one-winged angel. This time, uh, Naito tries... A reverse Hurricane Rana, and it doesn't go fully right. Yeah. So, like, three significant screw-ups in this match. And it's, uh... And then there's a weird, like, actual editing moment that doesn't seem to go right, because it seems like there's a cut into the ring, and 
Naito's halfway into setting up his Destino at that point. It was yeah. Where, it was a rare moment where it seemed like something was missed. Like the, uh, Kevin Dunn was in charge for a very brief second. <laughs> but Naito does hit that Destino mm. um, and like tries to seize the initiative. Well, at this point, it's then it's like a, whoever hits the big one. Like we're, we're, we're definitely into the finish at this point. And then it is like goes for a Destino, and then it's just finish a counter, finish a counter. He goes for a Destino, Omega turns it into a Fireman's, into an electric chair, into Kreutz Wrath. Then he goes and he hits a Ripcord V-Trigger, a Rainmaker V-Trigger, again, just that Rain Trigger, I think they called it. Maybe this is, you know, he's one-up to Okada, and that's another way of showing how he's one-up to Okada, because he does his version of Okada's thing. Another V-Trigger, One-Winged Angel is turned into Destino! Destino! And this is where they do an interesting double count. And I think this was a mistake. I think that they were... This is where they should have gone into the finish. And they actually hold on for a little bit. And they go into a strike exchange. And it's the first time they've done that in this match. And I think the significance of that is that neither man is, like, really that much about the, the strikes in the in the traditional forearms sense. sense. Yeah. Omega does great chops. But you know what I mean? It's not... I don't know. It didn't seem like it was necessary for those two, but it's like always a new Japan. He always sort of got to do it. Yeah, he always sorts of when he fights Okada, seems like he's been drawn into it. Mm. Uh, and Naito, yeah, Naito just—he'd rather spit at you. <laughs> that's his—that's his forearm spit. Although not at this point. No. Um, mouth yeah, is, then mouth is just, dry. Like you say, it's V triggers and. Again, he hits another V-Trigger into the rope, but then he goes running and Naito hits a Coppo kick. Again, doesn't feel like that was completely done brilliantly. Yeah. But then follows up with a Dragon Suplex, one of his old moves and Tanahashi's trademark moves. That doesn't quite get it. Uh, he tries for the Destino. Omega escapes, but then he turns it into a spinning Destino. And then he does a Destino. Kenny Omega finds some way to take a ridiculous head bump off of it. And that's enough of the three counts, and Omega uh, uh, Naito extinguishes another ghost of his past, exorcises another ghost of his past. And gets a trophy as well. Gets a trophy that he threatens to throw into the crowd. <laughs> Such a dick. Gets the, uh, gets the Los Ingobernables endorsement from Chono, which I thought was a really cool moment. Chono, the man with the most G1 wins. He has five to his name. Oof. Whereas He's... this was, actually this was funny as well, because this was a match of two former G1 winners, so there was going to be a two-time winner at this point. Which is they nice. usually like to at least have some debutante in, in these finals whenever they can. Yeah. Most years they like to do that. But again, it was just, this was so definitively the time of the big four yeah. that it really had to be. And obviously Naito was going through his redemption arc. Mm. So, got to, haven't you? And that was the match. Naito celebrates with his Los Ingobernables partners. Goes to each of them in their own corner. Does the fist bump. Gives Hiromu Takahashi a fist bump. And then gives a little fist bump to Takahashi's uh, little cat friend, (laughs) Daryl. I don't know if you saw that. But that was the story. That was Takahashi's story of that G1 tour because he was doing tag team matches in the undercard. Obviously, as a junior heavyweight, and he has a little cat mascot, and he likes cats. <laughs> and that cat's called Daryl. And in a tag team match involving members of the Bullet Club, Bad Luck Farley ripped Daryl's head off. And so Takahashi was distraught and 
he nursed Daryl to health during the rest of the tournament. And then so Naito gives him a little fist pump at the end. Oh, I love New- I, I just love how New Japan will like do stuff like that. And again, like historical significance, because when Naito gets the microphone, he repeats what he'd said three years earlier when he won the G1 Climax the first time against Tanahashi and said, the shining star of New Japan is me. And back then, people didn't believe it. And it's like, you know what? Maybe you are. Because you He's look at the crowd, and there's so much Los Ingobernables merch on. There's more Los Ingobernables than there is Bullet Club. Yeah. And that's saying something. That is mad. When I saw that, because the, when they panned to all the different banners in the crowd, I'm like, I, I, to see, obviously, the Bullet Club outnumbered, mm. it's mental. Because... Like I said, Naito was just connecting with the audience at that point. Yeah. And so then when he won, when he wrestled at Wrestle Kingdom and didn't win, that's as close as people have got to being angry at Gado as a booker and like the notion that Okada was being overprotected. But maybe, just maybe, there's a reason for that, and that reason was the other part of that match. So Simon, this is a five and three quarter star match according to Dave Meltzer. Does it get a five-star rating or higher from you? Oh. We have talked about cock-ups in this match. Mm. Um, that, that That's, you know, something we just have to address. But I did get took along for the ride. Um... I am going to give this five stars. So this G1 Climax weekend is three for three for you as far as five-star matches go. Yes. I'm really torn. I'm really torn on two fronts. Because like you say, there are screw-ups. But then you don't want to be the driving license inspector who's just marking you down. No, but I mean when you're actually going for the exam. Examiner. Examiner, sorry. Yeah. Um, That's not the wallet inspector. (laughs) You don't want to be that guy and, like, it's a form of nitpicking. But it also speaks to a broader thing of, like, like with the, like, with the, um, later matches and, and with the All Japan later 90s matches. You don't want to go so far as to say, this is what it needs to be a five-star match. And they've got to push themselves even beyond their own amazing physical abilities. Like, even they had limitations. Yeah. They were human, and that was shown in this match. But yeah. Then, like, I'm really torn. So what I will say is it's five stars, but it won't be in my running for the top ten coming up. And I probably enjoyed the Okada Omega semifinal more mm. than this overall. Even though that also had ridiculously dangerous spots as well. Yeah. But, so it's like, I don't want to be a party pooper, essentially, but I want to point out my reasons to not give it five stars, but then I don't want to be... I don't want to be that a guy. Stickler. You know? Yeah. yeah. You can't no, look I, at I this match that. and not say it's an amazing match and they're amazing guys and yeah, they're pushing the boundaries of what we thought wrestling could do. It's really difficult, especially when we've seen uh, free matches in free, from free, nut, free straight nights. But you just try and view it all in isolation. Mm. And in in isolation, if I hadn't, but I don't think you could, like. But these matches are so good about stories outside of the matches as well, and the built, you know, like 
the, this has been a month-long build-up. This whole yeah. match has been. No, no, I, I and I, a year-long build-up in other ways. Yeah, no, I get and that. More, but I, I, like I a guess... three-year build-up for Naito. <laughs> true, true, but uh, you do have to, because again, we are seeing so much good stuff mm. in such a short space of time. I think you do have to try and separate it a bit, just so you can. Yeah, maybe we need to watch a lot of like. Uh... I don't like to shit on wrestlers, but um, you need to watch a lot of Dino Bravo matches in between <laughs> to just appreciate what we're seeing or something like that, you know? Well, there are minus five-star matches out there. Yeah, I guess. Well, maybe one day. <laughs> but not today, and not the next episode, because we're actually taking a brief step away from New Japan, but we are returning to a promotion that we encountered the previous time there was a break from our New Japan dominance. Simon! What is the next match we are covering? So we are going to engage in some guerrilla warfare. Pro wrestling guerrilla warfare. Because that is a specific type of match in PWG. Ah. See, I didn't know that going in. We are going to take a look at a match which is... uh, Found new life quite recently, but this is where it all stems from. This is this is why they're sewing this together and trying to reignite this. We are looking at Keith Lee taking on Donovan. Oh God, I'm going to butcher this. Dijovac. Dijak. Dijak. It's just Dijak at this point. Ah, they right. have the Ovik in WWE, and I'm sure when he gets called up to the main roster. Vince Man ain't got time for a name with that many syllables. No, it'll be just Donovan or something like that. Oh, God, can you imagine? <laughs> Donovan Dijakovic. Donovan! You mean like the singer? Yes, like the singer. <laughs> Donovan! Uh, Donny Osmond! Make him a Donny Osmond impersonator, damn it! Anyway, we don't need to go way down below the ocean to the city of Atlantis to... Get in touch with us, Simon. How can people get in touch with you? Ooh, flexing big style there. People can get in touch with me on Twitter, where I'm so known as Simon Cross Free. Uh, free for the number of times in this match, Lorcan went, ooh, that wasn't quite supposed to happen. Yeah. My name's Lorcan Munless. L-O-R-C-A-N-M-U-L-L-A for ambulance, N for neck injuries. <laughs> That's my Twitter account, Instagram, Facebook, Letterboxd. If you want to get in touch with me via email, that's at gmail.com at the end of it. Buy my book, Confessions of a Smart Wrestling Fan. Get in touch with the show at lmtyspod at gmail.com. Get in touch with us on Twitter at lmtyspod. And get in touch with us on Facebook, and we will update it there sometime or another. Listen to my other podcast where I watch the opposite of five and three-quarter matches, as long as they're from the British Isles. uh, Well, Great Britain and Northern Ireland, for now. Um, it... What are you shitting on Falkland Cinema for? <laughs> Best of Worst of British. That's how we like it. Uh, uh, there's nothing really much left to say except my name's Lorcan Mullen. And my name's Simon Cross. Thank you for letting us tell you something. Have a five and three quarter stars time. Until the next time. <laughs>